Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. I don't know about you, I'm really going to show my age here. But did any of you learn the poem by Dorothy McCullough, I Love a Sunburnt Country? Yes. Well, every time I turn on the news, I think of that, that verse of that poem. So come on, if you know it with me, you're allowed to join in. I love a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, of ragged mountain ranges, of droughts and flooding plains. I love her far horizons. I love her jeweled sea, her beauty and her terror, the wide brown land for me. Doesn't that just say about Australia? <laughs> and listen to the next, there's about eight verses, I just picked out another two. Core of my heart, my country, her pitiless blue sky, when sick at heart around us we see the cattle die, but then the grey clouds gather and we can bless again the drumming of an army, the steady soaking rain. Core of my heart, my country, land of the rainbow gold, for flood and fire and famine she pays us back threefold. Over the thirsty paddocks, watch after many days the filmy veil of greenness that thickens as we gaze. And that is just still so true 116 years later. We just see in our country from devastating fires, crippling drought, hail, floods, cyclones, even earthquakes. Where I taught in Northern, the whole building, the kindy building had big um, damaged areas where from the earthquake and meckering back in the years, beauty and her terror. And we battle those elements in this beautiful country of ours. And during the fires, um, we heard much about how to survive in a fire. And I found myself, after being caught in a very small sandstorm, then Googling how to survive in a sandstorm. And I found that there were amazing analogies to our walk with the Lord. So I want to share some of you. So this is just Google, it's secular, but I just saw so many metaphors in this because we are called and told that we are going to battle the storms of life. So here's what I researched about sandstorms. Dust and sandstorms are among nature's most violent and unpredictable phenomena. High winds lift dirt or sand particles in the air, unleashing a turbulent, suffocating cloud that can reduce visibility to almost nothing in a matter of seconds and cause property damage, injuries and deaths. No matter where you live, it's a good idea to know what to do if you see a wall of sand racing towards you. So surviving a storm, step one, put a mask over your nose and mouth. If you have a respirator or mask designed to filter out small particles, put it on immediately. If you don't have a mask, wrap a bandana, shirt sleeve or some other piece of cloth around your nose and mouth. Moisten it a bit if you have enough water. It's critical what you inhale what you consume and eat, what you take in. We want to be surrounded by clean, living, life-giving air, not sand and pollutants. The Bible, the Word of God, is described as many metaphors, including things that we can eat like seed, bread, milk, water. And we need to consider and contemplate what we were taking in. Let's be intentional to read the Bible in one year and or complete some of the incredible devotions that we can find in the YouVersion app or in different other settings and fill ourselves with the word. Filter out and protect ourselves from the filthy things that would corrupt and contaminate us and choke us. And also be intentional about spending time with the Holy Spirit. So many of the songs we sang today were about that. It's life, there's life-giving 
spirit, as we breathe in the Holy Spirit, spirit of God. And mankind was literally given life through the breath of God. We see in Genesis 2.7, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. I don't know how you say it. And it means air in motion. It's the same word for breath, and it also means life. And by resemblance to breath and air and motion, it means spirit. And that's where we get the translation. And the Hebrew word contains all those different meanings. So when you're feeling powerless or tired, like you're failing at life, you can have confidence as a believer that you're not alone. You can start each day knowing the Holy Spirit is there with you. And he has the power that sustains, energizes and keeps you on a holy path. Don't hesitate to invite him in. And the amazing Billy Graham said this, The Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. There's some good reasons there to spend time with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a beautiful and powerful part of who God is. And we need him in our life as a conduit to become who God created us to be. And through his power, we can have aid in all situations. Without him, we are powerless. Okay. Step two, protect your eyes. Eyeglasses offer minimal protection from blowing dust or sand, but airtight goggles are better. If you don't have goggles, shield your face with your arm as you move, then wrap a piece of cloth tightly around your head to protect your eyes and ears. What you watch and meditate on is incredibly important. What is your vision? What are you focusing on? What are you listening to? Are you listening to and taking on the beliefs and values of our fallen society and culture? Or are you running everything through the sieve of the word of God and his ways and not taking in the sand and the dirt of this sinful world? Because it affects how you act, how you speak, what you wear, how you, who you associate, what you're thinking and in turn meditating on then the behaviours and the routines which become part of your life. We need protective eyeglasses of the word of God. He wants us to look up to him. God is the glory and the lifter of our head. And we need those protective glasses of the word of God because we need to look to the hills from whence comes our help. Our help comes from God. We need God's perspective, and that's not always the same as ours. He says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the key to growing in God is trusting him and knowing him that he has a good plan and a good purpose for your life, not to harm you, and to know his character, and more and more not to lose um, focus of his call on your life, his purpose for you. And then we're not going to believe the lies of the enemy and we're going to turn our, f- or turn our face to other things. So it's important that we protect our ears and we protect our eyes from this. Because where you're looking matters. What you focus on grows. What you, it reproduces. And we can often look at the negative things and say, now don't think about chocolate, don't think about chocolate. You're all thinking of chocolate now, but if you keep thinking, don't think about chocolate, don't, you're not going to stop. But if you think of other things, it's easier. So now you're all just going <laughs> But if we stop focusing on the negatives and sin, 
we can turn our eyes on Jesus. And that hymn is so incredible. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it's such a truth. Because Philippians 4, 8 says, Whatever is lovely, whatever is good, think on these things, meditate on these things. And the message says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realised. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Isn't that beautiful? When we focus on him and his character, then, and we just loving him and, and knowing who he is and spending time in his presence, so often those sinful things just fall away. The drawing to them loosens and it's just not an issue anymore. Step three, look for shelter. When possible, enclosures are your best bet. However, anything leeward, shielding you from the direction of the wind, of the storm will be better than nothing. Sand will bounce around when it hits objects, so you should still try to cover as much of your skin and face as possible. If you cannot get to shelter, crouch down. It minimises the chance you'll get hit by something flying. And this just spoke to me that God is our shelter. He is our refuge and our fortress. And Psalm 91, he says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I love the message version of this. God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. And we need that relationship with him to learn those safe boundaries, to be in his presence, and that's where we find comfort, love and protection and God also provides another safe place of shelter for us and that's his house the church the house of God and it's a place to come and seek refuge refreshing sustenance support love prayer fulfillment and purpose connection and belonging with people also that will remind you of the truth that you are going to get through the storms that you are going to make and they're going to be there with you. Those storms will eventually subside. Step four, get to high ground. The densest concentration of sand or dust bounces close to the ground, so the storm will be less forceful at the top of a hill. Seek high ground if you can. Find a safe, solid high point but only if the storm is not accompanied by lightning and there is no danger of being struck by heavier flying debris. I love this bit. Do not lie in a ditch, as flash flooding may occur and low-lying areas can quickly flood. And Psalm 40 verse 2 says this, He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. 
Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one can come close to you. So high places were places of worship. And these sites usually contained an altar. So we need to get to the high ground. We need to be in corporate gatherings where we can come and praise and worship and come to that high place. For me, there's times when I have been low and discouraged and then I've chosen to go to that high place of worship. I haven't felt like it. And we're singing those songs and there's so many amazing songs here. You know, if you're feeling dry in God, play that touch of heaven. That just ministers to me every time. I remember in a time last year just being terribly discouraged and down and just singing that, you raise a hallelujah. And I'm like, wait a minute, Nicole, why don't, this is based in the word of God. So you're speaking the word of God over yourself, which builds faith. We know faith comes by hearing the word of God. I so saying, raise a hallelujah. Everything inside of me, raise a hallelujah. I will see the darkness flee. Yeah, come on, God, I'm speaking your word. I will see the darkness flee. Raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Oh, that place, we're always there, aren't we? What is going on? <laughs> but he's there and raising a hallelujah. And suddenly after just a couple of minutes of that, I'm not in the ditch anymore. I'm on the high places glorifying God, full of faith and ready to take on the future and trust him and believe him for all that he has done. We don't want to lie in shallow places. We don't want to be having conversations that are in a ditch, gossip and negativity. Go to faith. Declare the word of God. Surround yourselves with faith-believing, faith-filled speaking people that are going to bring life to you and you're going to bring life to them. Fun fact. If you have a camel, have it sit down and press yourself against its leeward side. Camels are well adapted to surviving in dust storms. So just give you that tip in case you need that. Just in case, yeah. Use your camel well. Yeah, it's good. All resources that you have. Step five, shield yourself from flying objects. Seek out a large rock or other landform to protect you at least partially. Cover as much of your body as possible to protect yourself from flying sand. Wind-propelled sand can hurt, but a dust storm's high winds can also carry heavier, more dangerous objects. Jesus told a parable about building your house and he said build your house on the rock not on the sand that's in Matthew 7 therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that rock yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We're told in the word of God, in all that you do, get wisdom. Everything you ask for, get wisdom. And the wise here, what do they do? They build their life on the rock, Jesus. That's the foundation. That is the wise thing to do. Let our foundation be in him. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you and my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I love that. Step six, wait out the storm. 
Don't try to move through the storm. It's much too dangerous. Stay where you are and wait for it to pass before you attempt to move to a different location. If you can quickly reach such shelter before a dust storm reaches you, get there as quickly as possible and stay inside. Close all windows and doors and wait out the storm. If you're with other people, stick together to minimise the chances that someone gets lost. Wait out the storm. In those storms of life, we can feel like we can get a little bit lost. We want to run away sometimes. But God says, don't flee. Anchor yourself to that solid rock. Hebrews 6. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. Don't make rash decisions in difficult times. What do we do when we're making any decisions? It's always prayer, Bible and wise counsel. Stay in the house of God. Wait for clarity. Don't make any rash decisions. Wait on the Lord. Hear what he has to say. Stay in church and send your roots down high and your praise, uh, your roots down low and your praise up high. Be in a connect group. Fellowship. Don't get lost or on the wrong path. And that can go against our default. I think our natural human nature is to run and isolate ourselves. But that's what the enemy is looking for because when we're isolated, like a lion who's trying, they just pick off the weak, the isolated in, in um, a herd, from a herd. And we don't want to be in that situation. We need to stay together and be with each other and support each other. And if you haven't heard from God, keep doing what he told you to do the last time that you heard from him. If you haven't done that, do that. That would be good. But um, obey it. He won't leave you directionless. He will speak when he needs to. He doesn't abandon us. So we go through storms, we go through whether they're sand or otherwise, for a purpose. Sand has a purpose. It's useful. It's used in cement and other things. And also sand grit is used on sandpaper. We use that to sand down rough wood and other surfaces and make it smooth. An opposing force produces grit, synonymous with courage and resolve. We have, you know, even competitions that are called true grit where everyone's, you know, doing all the tough stuff. The Bible is very clear that we all go through trials, tribulations, challenges, storms, whatever you want to call them. They're inevitable, but there's a purpose. We can use that sanding, that situation to build true grit in us. And it leads to success, maturity, growth, fruitfulness. And James 1.12 says, If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. Anyone who meets a challenging, a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For each person's loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. That's a great promise, isn't it? And um, Again, some secular research, which lines up with the Word of God. Um, increasingly, psychologists are finding that the one characteristic that is emerging as a significant predictor of success is not intelligence, social intelligence, good looks or physical health or IQ. It's grit. And it's been said that grit is li living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Don't we read that in the Bible? But what is grit and how can it be formed? So American psychologist Angela Lee Duckworth currently 
she spearheads some important stu- uh, studies into this role grit plays in success. She says, grit is having stamina, sticking with your future day in, day out, not just for a week, not just for a month, but for years, and working really hard to make that future a reality. And amazingly, she goes on to talk about some characteristics that, again, line up with us for Christian. You could almost substitute Christian in these words. One of them, there's courage, perseverance and passion. So courage. When you think of courage, you may think of physical bravery, but there are other forms of courage. After all, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Examples of courage include following your vision, standing up for what you believe in, especially when your beliefs are unpopular, or simply doing the right thing even through easier options exist. Isn't this true for us in our Christian walk? The qualities of courageous people include patience, the ability to believe the unbelievable, we'd call that faith, and the guts to say no. They are not afraid of taking an unpopular stand, nor of asking for help. They are able to forgive and move on quickly, but also to stay the course when everyone else has abandoned ship. And that's what God wants from us, to not compromise our beliefs, but to build our lives in accordance with his will and vision and on his biblical standards from the word of God. We don't want to be, we, um, we don't want to be denying God. We want to stand and not be afraid to, of what we believe. Mark 8.38 says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I thought it was really interesting also in a secular article that forgiveness was mentioned. Forgiveness, once we do that, we can move on and stay the course. And that sounds like what Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And in Philippians 3.13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And another trait of people with true grit is perseverance. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Woohoo! Don't we always rejoice when that happens? <laughs> Working on it. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's what he wants from us. Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And indeed, to many people, perseverance is synonymous with pain and suffering, but those with true grit are able to flip their perspective on perseverance 180 degrees and view struggle as a doorway to pleasure. Essentially, to persevere means to start and continue steadfastly on the path towards any goal you set, and frequently this factor alone is the difference between failure and success. They provide the context and framework in which to find the meaning and value of your long-term efforts, which help cultivate drive, sustainability, passion, courage, stamina, grit. As Apostle Paul says in Acts 20.24, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course 
and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And there's also passion. And in this secular paragraph, you could almost put Christians instead of the word passion. Passion creates, Christians, passion creates excellence when mediocrity will do. Passionate people have a deep sense of purpose and are often selfless in their actions. They also know themselves. They have a clear sense of their values and beliefs and they live by them. They generally accept themselves as imperfect and growing, seeing life as a series of choices and options. They don't let anything stop them. They have a will-to-find-a-way attitude and they don't accept no for an answer. By the same token, they are also enthusiastic about the success of others. Finally, they take responsibility for their lives but are not afraid to ask for support. Isn't that amazing, the analogy there? 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Trials will come, but God will use them for our growth and transformation, and we will overcome. And John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome. Jesus is with us, so we have overcome. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Great, two of us do. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, don't we? That's great, you're in the right place. Well, 1 John 5.5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That is us. We are overcomers. We don't do this on our own. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Greater is he that is in you, that Holy Spirit that we've been talking about. So when facing sandstorms, run to God, take refuge in him and his house. Let's protect our eyes and ears, breathe in the presence of God, fill ourselves with his word and make great decisions and watch him develop in us courage, passion and perseverance, true grit. Let's stand as the band's playing. It's good to remember that God is bigger than anything we face. He can control the elements. He made them. He can calm the storm, the waves and the wind. But through it all, we focus on him and we know it is well. We can trust in him. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.